What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. Shout out to anybody that's having a birthday out there. You know who you are. Hope you guys had a chance to enjoy yesterday's episode with Brandon talking about Michigan football. On today's show, I'm joined by Riles23. He's on Twitter. He's a Purdue expert. We dive deep into the Purdue season, what you can expect this upcoming fall, what's been taking place this offseason. Um, and all, as always, I have to preface it by saying this interview took place a long time ago. Not a long time ago. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, Riles was actually, shout out to Riles, man. He was so cool. He was the first person to say yes. Um, the first person that I interviewed about the uh football preview so this took place like you know three four weeks ago now um he actually dm me right after we got done recording like the next day what did he say i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look up i'm putting riles dms on blast right now riles i hope you're okay with that there was somebody that we talked about right on the episode that transferred immediately after we got done recording i have to figure out who this was where'd he go dms i mean my dms are so full you guys know how that goes, right? Uh, let's see. He said that uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say what he said. It's one of the uh, wide receivers. Excuse me. Let me click on the article. Corey Gamage. We were talking about him on the uh, episode and uh, he transferred the next day. So apologize for that. You know, things change over time, but I wanted to get all these episodes out at the same time. So we recorded a while back. But thank you so much to Riles. Hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did doing it okay we are joined now by riles aka at riles 23 on twitter comes in highly recommended from somebody else that i follow on twitter as an expert in purdue football uh riles thanks for joining the show would you consider yourself an expert uh i would i would consider myself an expert now would anyone else that's up to them but <laughs> um you are on a podcast pretty regularly called uh correct me if i'm wrong about this i was just listening this morning though but it's called beers up boiler down um what is your connection to purdue and like how'd you get connected with that podcast and get started like kind of covering the team so my connection is odd where we were talking about this before you started recording was so i actually have been to West Lafayette a grand total of one time in my life. I've been to one Purdue football game. Uh, so I grew up in Iowa, live in Iowa, went to the University of Iowa, and I work for the University of Iowa. But I've been a Purdue fan since Drew Brees and the, for football and Brian Cardinal since basketball. So I don't really know how to explain why I grabbed that connection. But so for the last – 25 years i've been a purdue fan so it's super fun getting to deal with all the inevitable heartbreak and rage that comes with purdue so so yeah so you've only been there once is there like a game that you have highlighted this year that you're going to try to get to or is so it just not, not on the radar because of work so not this year because i'm actually getting married in december oh but congrats. my my fiance said that I want to say maybe sometime next year, so 2024, that she would go to Mackey for a basketball game because I've never been to 
one in Mackey. And it's something that I've always wanted to do because my experience to a college basketball environment is the Carver Hawkeye mausoleum where <laughs> cheering is discouraged and actively caring about the game is tends to be frowned upon during most games. So it'll be nice to go to an environment where people are actually excited to be there. <laughs> That's awesome. I need to get to Mackey too. I've never been there. I was, I really wanted to go last year, but the tickets were just like outrageous for every game. It seemed like that I was looking at, so I didn't make it either. Um, let's jump right in though. Like I said, we're going to do a quick, uh, 2023 football preview. I got a few questions about some things that took place in the off season, a very busy off season for Purdue. And then, uh, we'll look ahead to the season and see how uh, you think things will shake out. So probably the biggest news, at least from a casuals perspective was that Jeff Brom is out. He's going back to his alma mater at Louisville. He was at Purdue for six years, obviously. And, uh, Coach Ryan Walters, the former defensive coordinator from Illinois, is now the head coach at Purdue. What do you think the fan base's overall thoughts were when he was hired? And then what were your thoughts? Were they different or pretty much the same as the rest of the fan base? So first we'll start with Rom leaving. And it was just it, – that felt like it was a situation that it just – it was time. It got to the point where – the vibe kind of felt after he originally turned them down. And I want to say 18 or 19 that it was, it's when he's leaving, not if he's leaving. Right. It was kind of one of the, if you don't want to be here and we can tell you don't really want to be here, we're not really sure that we want you here, but it worked out because uh, 2021 saw two upsets of, top five teams and then 2022 saw a big 10 championship game appearance, but it just kind of felt like it was inevitable and it was at a good time for both situations. Uh, originally with Walters, I was skeptical because Purdue is never going to be a program where it's, we're going to be defense first. We're going to, you're going to line up and we're going to stop you just because Purdue is not going to get those elite recruits in the trenches that you need to play that type of game. Purdue's not going to have the big bulky linemen that Wisconsin and Iowa tend to just produce on assembly lines. You're not going to be able to line up just hat on a hat and overwhelm them. But after kind of looking more into some of the transfers that uh, Walters targeted in the portal and some of his comments, I think, the vibes around the Purdue program are more exciting. It's a lot younger coaching staff. It seems like it's going to be more exciting on offense with uh, Graham Harrell's, the OC running a modified version of the air raid offense where kind of after the first couple of years of the Brom era, the offense kind of lost its like pizzazz and kind of went more basic and the defense definitely, there's definitely some holes still, but made a, uh, targeting the secondary a priority in the portal. And based on what he did in Illinois, Walters knows defensive talent in the secondary and he can coach up secondary talent. So it'll be, it was kind of one of those at first, everyone's kind of like, who is Ryan Walters? It's super young guy, defense coordinator in Illinois. Is this really who as we're a big 10, big 10 team in a realignment of conferences and teams where Purdue is, pretty set. You, you might not be up echelon Big Ten, but being in the Big Ten is a lot better than not. So 
Uh, so far, I'd say I think the vibes are good. It's, but all that can change when it's on the field. People were excited when Daryl Hazel got hired too, and that lasted roughly six minutes of actual football before those vibes <laughs> changed. So, do you expect him to? You kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you expect the team to be more defensive based? Because it felt from my perspective last year that the defense was kind of overlooked and it was more focused on, you know, all the stars they had, which we'll talk about in a minute, but everybody they had on offense was really the main focus for the team last year. Yeah. So if you look back historically at Purdue and the best modern era of Purdue football was roughly 98 through 04. And those were still the high powered basketball on grass offense but it was paired with a defense where Joe Tiller and Brock's back had realized there's a chance that our offense has some bad possessions where we're only on offense for 45 seconds and the defense is going to have to play a lot. So we're fine with giving up yards, but if we can force turnovers and get these big plays, get a big sack, fumble, interception, something like that, and get our offense more chances, that's going to be our best uh, chance to succeed, like I said earlier, because it's not Purdue won't be a program that's just going to line up and say, okay, we're going to shut everything down. We're going to grind you out. And I think Walters knows that. And I think by some of the, like I said, the gets in the portal for the corners are getting those bigger corners that should be able to make plays because, like I said, they just, if you can get, an air raid offense with a defense that might give up 450, 500 yards, but forces three turnovers, you're going to have a great chance to win. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that offense and you, and you've mentioned this a couple of times more with the defensive guys, but probably the biggest transfer portal news I thought this year, um, and it was a while ago now, but it was uh, the Texas transfer Hudson card coming in. He's, I'm assuming, unless I'm completely off base on this, going to be the starter this year. I've seen him play a handful of times. I think he's really freaking good. I'm excited to watch him play for Purdue. Are you as excited, and have you got to see him play at all, and what are you thinking he's going to do for their offense this year? The funny thing about Purdue landing Hudson Card, who is a tremendous talent and a tremendous dual-threat athlete, is – this is the type of quarterback Jeff Brown tried to get for five years and just couldn't get someone that brought that mobility aspect to the passing game. And so I think, and like you said, yes, Hudson's going to start. He's going to be the backup and he'll probably be the third and fourth stringer too, unless something goes terribly wrong. I believe there's, there's been a lot of turnover in the quarterback room at Purdue I'm drawing a blank on the name, but I believe the backup is a transfer from Arizona State. So oh, I, just I had think it up too. I think it's a, it's a learning curve, which I mean it would be a learning curve for anyone because all the staff is new. But it's everyone's kind of learning together, and it's going to be on Hudson Card's feet and on Hudson Card's arm, and he's going to have a lot of new names that are also getting integrated. So I think there'll be times where it looks a little bit scattered, but it's kind of a different element to a potential Purdue offense that we haven't seen in a while. There's been times where Purdue has had 
mobile quarterbacks like Rob Henry, but who also couldn't throw. And they've had like Aiden O'Connell who could throw and also with the foot speed of typical uh, continental drift. So it'll be, it'll be a nice element and having the mobility will be nice because Purdue's offensive line is not looking like it's going to be the greatest due to some injuries and graduations and transfers and having a quarterback that can buy that O-line time and make plays with their feet is especially in a first, first year offense, first year coaching staff, you need to have that little extra element to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see him play. Um, Aiden O'Connell is who he's replacing. You also lost Chuck Jones. You also lost who I got into many arguments with as what I thought was one of the best tight ends in the big time. I thought he was one, either one or two. Uh, Payne Durham last year. Some of the transfers coming in, is there any way with the new scheme that you guys are going to be running offensively that you're going to be even close to replacing those three guys' production next year? So you're probably not going to have someone that does it all by themselves. So we can start by just going down the list on what you name. So Aiden O'Connell, I would say there would be some people that based on the accolades coming in and kind of the hype from the end of 2020 or 2021, were disappointed with his 2023. But I also believe he was more hurt than they let on. He didn't play against Florida Atlantic and got pretty banged up against Syracuse. And I think it never really came out, but I would say that he probably played with some fractured ribs to end the season. As you could tell, there wasn't really as much pop on his throws as there was. There was that stretch in the middle of the season where it kind of felt like Purdue just needed like one play from him and it just, things were erratic and but yeah, he was a fantastic for a guy that was a division three walk on to come into the big 10 and then eventually lead his team to a big 10 championship game. That's not in this era of football. That's not something that happens. Those stones don't go unturned anymore. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Jones will be irreplaceable because that was lightning in a bottle a hundred times over figured Yes, transferring from Iowa. Iowa's got no idea how to use wide receivers. So figured maybe if he could give like a decent impression of what Brock Thompson did in 2021, it would be fine. And then turns out to be a top two receiver in the Big Ten. Yeah. So that is that's gonna be replaced by committee. That's you're having a lot of names coming in and out of the receiver room. That's gonna be you're not I don't think Purdue's going to have that one guy that you look at that's like, this is our alpha, this is our one. A guy that I've kind of looked at that might be that is the transfer from Marshall, Corey Gamage, uh, big-bodied receiver, uh, something that Purdue really hasn't had much of recently. Uh, Milton Wright kind of filled that role, but they really haven't had that wide receiver that brings that physicality. It's been more of the shifty quicker guys with Rondale Moore, David Bell, Charlie Jones, but it'd be nice to see adding a little more physicality to that receiver room. And then Payne Durham, other than the absolute rain meltdown against Syracuse to end the game, he's 
you knew what you're getting with Payne. He's was a fantastic, fantastic tight end. Uh, Purdue does have a couple capable replacements. Uh, Paul Pafferi came in as a quarterback, eventually moved to tight end, had a couple nice plays last year. Uh, Garrett Miller coming back off a knee injury, depending on how he is, uh, should have a nice role. But transitioning to this air raid offense, tight ends are typically not emphasized. So it might be an area where you're able to kind of get away with not having that uh, upper echelon guy anymore. That's funny that I'm just looking at that as you were saying that on the website I'm looking at, there's five tight ends listed on the roster and you're saying it might not use them that much. <laughs> I think some yeah. of them are, are they play multiple positions though. I think they just have five of them listed. Yeah. It's, it's not something that you typically see with the air raid because air, your connotation with air raid is we're going fast. We're running three, four wide. We don't want tight end, but there should be, with kind of picking up on some of the comments of what Graham Harrell said, it's not true air raid. So I would expect that you'll see some tight end involvement just because going up against some of these big 10 defenses, if you're not going to use a tight end, you're going to be at a disadvantage at points. So, okay. So just last week, I think it was, it was announced that uh, starting not this year, but next year, they're going to do away (laughs) with the divisions. I wanted to get your thoughts on that because as a Purdue fan who basically, in my opinion, from an outsider's perspective, you benefited from having divisions because you were in the West and it was weaker. The top three teams were really in the East. So you get to go to a championship game kind of based on the divisions. With that gone, does it hurt teams like Iowa? Well, Iowa, you know, Iowa, Purdue, like, you know, the teams that have been there in the past that didn't have as good of a record as even like the second or third place team in the East. Um, What are your thoughts about getting rid of the divisions? And do you foresee Purdue even making it to a big 10 championship game after they stop doing that? So the, it's definitely going to be an uphill climb and you are right. The big 10 West definitely benefited from the competitive balance because it's a little different when you say your fourth best team or your third best team in the division is Penn state. And then you go to the West and it might be a seven and four Minnesota or a seven and five Purdue, something like that. It just, it doesn't sync up. I will say one of the benefits to this for switching is Purdue is the protected rivalries and Purdue had two of them and they drew Indiana and Illinois. So as a Purdue fan, you should hopefully expect that those are at least 75% of the time, that's 2-0. Those are two teams, if you've got any thought that you're going to be a consistent top 25 program, those two have to be wins. There's no yeah, about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, Purdue will, back in the day, and based on tie breaks, did make a Rose Bowl based on winning a Big Ten. I mean, it was 2000, and Ohio State really wasn't Ohio State at that point, but it's going to take some work and it'd probably be rarity, but I think with securing those two and just seeing, depending on how a schedule shakes out, there'll be, there'll be chances. It's not going to be opening the season and going, if we go five and one in the division, we should be able to stack up enough padding that will 
win a tie break and go to Indy. So overall probably hurts, but with the protected rivalries that they have, it could have ended up a lot worse. Yeah. And like you said, the way that the schedule can shake out, it's it's a lot more flexible now. With only having the two protected rivalries, you'll have maybe a year where you have to play. It just depends on how it shakes out. Like I said, um, you might have to play Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, and then the next year you don't play any of them. It's possible. Yeah. So, And you might draw for a couple of the marquee games, you might draw both UCLA and USC in West Lafayette, and you get that travel advantage. Yes. So – it like I said depends on how it shakes out, but if you eventually want to be in a Big Ten championship, you got to be a good team. So it makes it tougher, but you got to play who's in front of you. Yeah, that's in two years though. So for this year, what do you think that Purdue has to do to make it back this year? Do you think that there's a strong chance that they can win the their side of the or their division, I should say, or are is the fan base a little less hopeful what do you think about that for this year i would say for this year it's more i don't ha- i personally don't have any thought that they'll make a big 10 championship game my thought and hope for this year is if you get six or seven wins and you look improved from the start of the year to the end of the year like that's great because it's a the one thing that jeff brom did while he was here was there are very rarely easy non-conference games. It's very rare that you're playing a directional Michigan or a, a Mac team. I mean, this year you have Fresno state, which is a, not a power five team, but Fresno state's got a pretty good football history. So it's, there's no just kind of easing into it for Walters and company like you're, yeah thrown into it right away and we'll see what happens. So I don't, I don't think that there's really, there's some people that say, yeah, Purdue's going to win every game this year and they're going to win by 30. But I would say a realistic thing is if Purdue makes a bowl game this year, that is a based on the schedule and the turnover of the roster and the coaching staff. That is a very successful year. Okay. Well, I have them making a bowl game. Uh, We'll talk about my prediction in just a second. Um, before I do that, though, I wanted to mention one more guy. He's one of my favorite players at Purdue right now, and it was – I actually forgot to send you this one. Sorry. Catching you off guard right here. But uh, Devin Mockaby last year, I, I thought he had a great year. Um, kind of came out of nowhere for me because I didn't know who he was bef- going into the year. Uh, almost got 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. The problem for him was that he's in a conference that's absolutely loaded with running backs. Do you think his sophomore season will be as successful or do you think he can even take a step up and kind of separate himself as one of the best backs in the conference? I think that, yeah, Devin was another lightning in a bottle situation that you really don't see anymore. And it'll be interesting to see how the run game is incorporated with the new offense, because actually one of my favorite uh, descriptions of, Purdue's typical best way to win comes from uh, Brian Newbert over at Golden Black, where he says that for most, if you you hear balanced offense and you think 50, 50 pass, 50 run, Purdue to be most balanced is probably 70 pass, 30 run, but you have to respect the run game. Where we've seen in the past where Purdue 
just can't run the ball in a short yardage situation because they're just they're not geared to do that. You don't have the line to do that. But I think this air raid is going to spread stuff out more where we've seen one of Maccabee's best attributes is his shiftiness. If they get these run lanes, he's going to be able to have um, these bigger chunk plays. And I will, I think we'll see a lot more of him as a receiver this year too. I think you're going to see a lot more attempts to get him the ball out wide. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if he'll, everyone's got film on him now and he's not going to take anyone by surprise. I don't necessarily know if he will match or uh, outdo his numbers from last year, but I can see him being more efficient with his touches. I could see a drop in touches, but an increase in yards per attempt, just because the goal is eventually to have, instead of Purdue running it 25 to 30 times for three and a half, four yards of carry, cut that down to 10 to 15, but you're getting five to six yards of carry. Yeah. I'm excited to see him play. I think that the, with him and card, like, I think it's going to be a decent offense. I don't know as much about the offensive line like you were talking about. So I hope that they're good enough to protect those guys and give them some lanes. But, um, I'm excited about their offense this year. I think that they'll be fine. I said, I was going to get you out of here in, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say there's, there's definitely some talent on the offensive line, but it's a, it takes forever to rebuild an offensive line via recruiting and Purdue, especially in the Hazel era had some lean recruiting years in that. And it takes four or five years to rebuild a pool of that. And Purdue unfortunately has seen, I think during the Brahm era saw four or five medical retirements on the offensive line. So it's definitely improving, but I wouldn't say it's something that you're going to really hang your hat on yet. So as long as they can, like you said, hold up a little bit, there's definitely uh, a chance that there's some exciting things on the Purdue offense. Yeah. All right. Last thing I wanted to get from you before we take off here. Um, Prediction for this year. I want to go through really quickly just the schedule. Um, I was going to tell you mine first, and then you can convince me whether I'm right or wrong on all of these. Um, I have you guys going seven and five um, overall and finishing third in the Big Ten West. And the losses that I have are at Virginia Tech, um, Wisconsin at home, at Iowa, um, Ohio State at home, and then Michigan at home. Or I'm sorry, Michigan on the road. Excuse me. So um, real quick, let's just go through uh, all the games. If you don't mind, real quick, we'll do it in three little segments. The first four games, Fresno, uh, Fresno State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, and Wisconsin. What do you think you guys start at the first four games? So for fingers crossed that this era gets off on a right foot, uh, win Fresno State. If if the season's going to be a success with a bowl game, they have to get that first game against Fresno okay. State. I would say going to Virginia Tech with all the growing pains is not an easy environment to go into, even if you're fully operational. So I would see that being a loss. Syracuse, I still think there's enough guys left over from last year who probably don't have a real good taste in their mouths from what happened up in New York last year. So I would say that's a win. And Purdue hasn't beat 
Wisconsin since I was in elementary school, and I don't really think that it's probably going to change this year. So we'll <laughs> go with a loss on that. Okay. So we started out the same. Um, the next four you have uh, – so you guys are at two and two right now. Illinois, Iowa, Iowa State – I'm sorry, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska. Uh, Illinois, that should be a win. That'll be – That'll be interesting. That'll be a juiced up game. That yeah, might have some. I agree. Purdue, Illinois tends to have a little bit of chippiness leak in, and I don't think that this one will be an exception. But I do think Purdue comes out on top. I think Walters is going to be really, really want that game. Uh, at Iowa, I'll go with a win just because I think Illinois, I think Walters – from his time at Illinois had a pretty good handle on how to deal with Iowa's offense. Mm -hmm. If you can call it that Uh, Ohio state. I don't think that I know Purdue has kind of had Ohio state's number in the past, but I don't think that there's quite enough juice there to get that done. And then what was the fourth one? Uh, Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. Uh, That'll be interesting in time with, them getting Matt Rule in there, but I don't think Nebraska right now has got enough in the cupboard this year. It'll go a win there. So yeah. three and one in that segment. Okay. And then the finish up with uh at Michigan, uh Minnesota at Northwestern, and then um Indiana to finish the year. So we'll go lost to Michigan. Uh I think at some point first year coaching you're probably going to drop one that you don't expect to i could see them losing to minnesota we'll go a loss to minnesota no (laughs) there's there's one there's always going to be one and i didn't want it to be fresno state to start the year because then that just the vibes are off all year uh and then what was that what was northwestern at northwestern yeah hopefully that's not the one that ends up being the loss because that'd be a magnitude of times worse than Minnesota. Yeah. We'll go then two wins to end the year okay. at Northwestern and home with Indiana to go. We'll go seven and five, just in a little different. Minnesota hates me right now. Cause I picked them to finish last in the West. Well, they're <laughs> other than last year, PJ Fleck has had Purdue's number since he's been there. It's been not, not the best, and there's definitely been some games that Purdue has stolen defeat from the jaws of victory, but we'll go. I think there's going to be one that just nothing goes right, and I, in the past, it's been that Minnesota game, so we'll go with that one. All right, so let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, we have the same record. We just had a couple games flip-flopped. I think that um, I had you guys losing to Iowa, and beating Minnesota, and you had it reversed. So pretty much the same, though. I don't know if the tiebreakers would work out the same. You'd probably still be in third place right there. So kind of the same expectation um, right there. I'm glad we're on the same page. We're smart. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would guess with Fickle in charge there, I would say Wisconsin's probably going to be one. Iowa, no matter what ugliness happens game to game, always seems to finish top two and then i just don't think anyone else in the division's really ready illinois is going through transition illinois also loses a good chunk of talent from that team yeah especially when you're a defensive first team and you lose 
your coordinator and a couple really high draft picks. Northwestern is off in the wilderness somewhere. And Nebraska just – I think they need some time. I think they finally made a, a higher – there that makes sense and it's going to help them but i don't think it's all going to come immediately which will be terrible news to nebraska fans because they expect success yesterday so yeah they're good people though i like nebraska fans they're fine all right um thanks again for coming on again uh tell everybody where they can find you or listen to you and um seek you out for more purdue football information Oh, so we, uh, Boiler Up, Beer Down is on Spotify. We also mainly do just some transition with people involved. We mainly do it via spaces on Twitter. So you follow me at Riles23 and uh, uh, let me get my co-host Twitter names right. Otherwise, they will be upset with me. Uh, At Carrie underscore three Elizabeth and one more. At Audra McKenzie, we are the three co-hosts of the show, and you can find us typically after, uh, for sure, every basketball game. We'll see about football. We haven't. This would be our first football season with us three on it, so we'll see how that ends up going. I found you guys uh, during basketball season as well. What I liked is you guys were always on late, and my kids were in bed, so I could like just throw it on while I was doing something else and listen to you guys talk about Purdue basketball. It's pretty awesome. So go give them a follow follow and, uh, Riles, thanks again for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yep. No problem. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. We are back. Thank you so much for listening to that interview with Riles 23 Riles is a great follow on Twitter. If you want to talk anything Purdue, you should be following him. You probably already are. If you're a Purdue fan, you're already following Riles. He's the best. Um, thank you so much for coming on. That interview was so much fun. And like I said, first guy to say yes. So I'll always uh, he's actually the first person besides one of my friends that I've ever interviewed. So shout out to Riles for that. Um, tomorrow on the show, we're going back to the East Division. I'm joined by Doug Maurice. He's one of the most knowledgeable Ohio State people that I've come across on Twitter. He's got a huge following. He works for Cleveland.com. We're going to dig deep into the Buckeyes football season coming up. Um, Make sure you subscribe, follow, do all those special things, and we'll see you guys in the future.